0: meaty sin sacks, if you will.
1: Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey.
0: And I'm Elliot.
1: And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get up close and personal with the lesser known legacies and real-life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people.
0: I have to say, it seems only fitting that the same week, the CDC has removed its mask guidance from mm-hmm. most places indoors. And it finally feels like after two years, we are beginning to move from pandemic to endemic manageable phase of COVID. Mm-hmm that there is now a land war in Europe. Yeah. Because if there's any one reliable law of the universe, it seems to be that we cannot catch a fucking break. I say we, like the people, the people of Ukraine, like for them, they cannot catch a fucking break. But as, as a world community, to watch this fucking madness... Um, yeah. Who, who would have thought? I didn't have it on my bingo card, but uh, there had to be something. It just feels like there had to be something.
1: Yeah, it does feel like there always has to be something, um, which is why we provide this great service of a podcast weekly. So people for 45 to 60 minutes um, can escape from all of that. Yes. And instead, think about the shitty things that happened in the past.
0: Yes, it, it would be nice to stop living through history for just a little while. Yeah. and. Think about some history that already happened. Mm-hmm. That said, actually, before we go further, uh, I I do think we I would highly recommend people, if you're looking for ways to help, rescue.org, International Rescue Committee, is a great place. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to send them some money. They are on the ground, refugee support. They are doing the humanitarian work to help people like settle, find safe places to be, establish services, uh, helping with, I'm sure, the refugee communities that are moving to Poland, uh, which is like removed all visa requirements. So a fantastic place started by a bunch of people, including Albert Einstein, I believe.
1: Oh, uh, episode nine.
0: Yeah. Which you go back and listen to, um, actually,
1: I I think it's like episode, I don't know. He's around the nine, 10, 11 mark because I, I know he's with like Steve jobs and John Lennon that little group of folks yeah, we did smart
0: guy did some good stuff also helped invent the nuclear bomb so you know uh real mixed bag real mixed bag
1: <laughs> a real mixed bag
0: <laughs> as i often say about people who unleash destruction upon the <laughs> earth.
1: there we go um okay well this week's hero speaking of unleashing destruction uh i i selected this week's hero because It felt like a bit of an antidote to last week's episode, which was.
0: Last week was tough. Last week was not funny. It was intense. It was, uh, yeah, it was was a a rough one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, obviously I edited this out, but like people need to know that about four or five minutes into the episode last week, I was like, Elliot, we have to stop. This is not funny. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I hadn't even noticed it wasn't funny until just now. (laughs) And there's like 55 more minutes of this.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. It had not occurred to me. It's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was supposed to be a comedy podcast. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know what, every now and then, we'll take one for the team and just Tell the truth without the jokes. This week, I think we can have some jokes.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to somebody who is not just living nightmare of a human being. Oh,
1: (laughs) I I didn't say that. Uh (laughs) Yeah, this week's hero might be... One of the most chaotic, like personally chaotic and self-destructive and destructive interpersonally. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like systemically, he was not super destructive. So, you know, we can have a little chuckle.
0: Okay. Okay. Lay it on me then.
1: All right. This week's hero is Lord Byron. What do you know about Lord Byron?
0: Okay. So I vaguely, and not much, I vaguely know that Lord Byron was a poet. I Mm -hmm. think- if I had to, if I had to put money on it, my guess is that he's a romantic poet.
1: He is a romantic poet.
0: Okay, which is like this particular area of like very flowery romantic type poem. It's not actually just all love romance, but like it's a pretty flowery type of poetry. Um, I honestly could not say I knew any more than that coming in.
1: Okay, okay. Well, one of our sources said that he is the. Uh, uh, second to Shakespeare, the most famous English poet of all time, which I don't know that that holds true.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that seems uh, pretty generous.
1: Yeah, but name another English poet. See, there you go. Okay, we got there two. we go.
0: <laughs> we should really work uh, on getting a third one.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, okay, the only other thing that I'll mention, and we'll get to this, but the thing that I knew about him in addition to that mm. is that he's the father of Ada Lovelace, who was... The first computer programmer.
0: Do you have a lot on Ada Lovelace in this episode? Not. Uh, I have about that much. Right okay, cool. There. Uh, just so people can go look at Ada Lovelace because she's very cool. And when we say computer programmer, uh, basically this guy, Babbage, had invented theoretically what could be a computer. They didn't have electricity, mm-hmm. so it was all like gears and stuff. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I think if we put all these gears together, it would be gigantic, but we could like have it do these things and it would be automatic patterns and do math. And so she, who had done weaving stuff, like literally wrote instructions for this computer that did not yet exist and wrote Mm -hmm. an actual functional program. Theoretically, that ended up now, years later, you can find it on the internet, it works. Like it actually Mm -hmm. like worked with the design of the computer and it was wild. Um, Also, she wrote the first computer bug because there was actually (laughs) a bug in the software that you can also (laughs) go find on there, which is great. (laughs) That actually just establishes her credibility as a programmer even better. But uh, she's really cool. Um, This episode is not about her at all.
1: No, she has one of my favorite quotes or like lines um that's attributed to her it's not about computer programming she says i shall in due time be a poet and i think that's just like a really romantic way to think about the world so yeah. not about ada lovelace check her out real rad name it's my grandma's middle name
0: mm, Lovelace, very
1: popular in no <laughs> ada very popular in england in the 18th and 19th centuries so
0: amazing well let's talk about her weirdo dad then
1: Okay. So, um, I got a lot of information from the, for this episode from obviously like Britannica.com biography.com, but there's a really cool YouTube channel called biographics. And in general, I'm not like a YouTube person. Like I don't like to find most of my information from there, but there was a really good episode on Lord Byron called mad, bad, and dangerous to love or something like that. About him, and I would recommend it. It'll fill in some of the the gaps here.
0: Head on over, smash that like button.
1: Let's dive in. So he was born George Gordon Byron. He was born January 22nd, 1788, which means...
0: Which means it's back. Did my best. We're back at it.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So... I know folks have been missing a couple weeks because we had you and then Empedocles, whose birthday we don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: Thomas I thought, Jefferson. I thought we
0: just snuck out of it and we'd left it behind, but never, no this such will luck. never die,
1: never die. Um, it's Audrey's Astrology Corner. Aquarius born on January 22nd, their adaptability and originality are amongst their most defining qualities. They take little interest in the mundane, instead, choosing to embrace new situations, experiences, and environments. Similarly, they love social settings where they can display their unique viewpoint to those around them. People often gravitate to their original personality, but they might be surprised to find out exactly how non traditional they can be. In all aspects of their life, they rarely conform as they much rather develop a -a one-of-a-kind way of thinking.
0: Does that feel accurate? Is he a -a one-of-a-kind thinker?
1: You let me know in 40 minutes.
0: All right. All right. We'll see.
1: George, at the time, (laughs) before he is Lord Byron, George is born in London. He's born to people of status-ish. His father, though, was kind of a major sleazebag, just from the jump. Okay. And his father was apparently just like, uh, just a real dick. (laughs) He had like a nickname. as like Mad Jack or something. Everybody hated him. This dude sucked. He courted this married woman. He ended up breaking up a marriage in the like 1770s. He marries this woman and then she dies all of a sudden. And so then right after that, he marries this woman named Catherine Gordon of Gite. So this is Lord Byron's mother. Mm -hmm. But he does this for her money. And only after they got married did Catherine find out that Mad Jack was deeply, deeply, deeply in debt. And she had to sell off her title and her land in order to pay their debt.
0: Old debt scam. See, this is why you got to look at the finances before you just hit your wagon to somebody. You can't (laughs) just be jumping into bed with any, any little suitor who comes around.
1: You got to go to all the pubs and, and ask, like, hey, has he gambled away his fortune? And am I
0: going to have to, like, compensate for that? Has the tinder swindler taught us nothing?
1: <laughs> the OG tinder swindler back in the 1780s.
0: Came <laughs> but, his oldest time.
1: So all that is to say, by the time Lord Byron is actually born, his family is broke. Not a great start. Yes. On top of that, his... Father and mother hated each other for different reasons. Oh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> the father hated Catherine because she was overweight, is basically what he said. Oh. And, and mean. That's and a rude. miser. And she hated him because he stole all her money and title. <laughs> well, yes.
0: <laughs> That'll do it.
1: <laughs> okay. So their relationship is so contentious that she actually ends up giving birth alone in a rented room. While the father was out drinking.
0: He doesn't even show up. He's at the bar.
1: He's at the bar. And they had, before, before George was born, they had agreed to name this child, if it was a boy, William. But because he was drinking at a bar, Catherine was like, fuck you. His name is George. After her dad.
0: <laughs> I like how it's the stick-it-to-him to name.
1: Yeah. and Okay, so, um, so this
0: little kid is named out of spite from the get-go.
1: From the get-go. Catherine, his mother, it's noted that throughout his childhood, she either, she like, she vacillated between either being overly indulgent, uh, like enmeshed, almost smothering her son with attention and or vexing him with her capricious stubbornness.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, it's
1: two ends of a spectrum here.
0: <laughs> sure. Just smother him with love or just be a pain in his ass. Those are the those are the poles of this of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, it's a love or vex scenario, love which or is vex, also yes. <laughs> the newest show coming to Netflix. <laughs> I know.
0: We got We got to get a spec together on this one.
1: I know. It's like love is blind, except at the end, you get to decide whether or not you put a pox on their house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, I feel like that's honestly how most love is blind matchups would end up if they had the option.
1: I feel like the ones who do end up even engaged end up with a pox on their house. Yeah. Like, actually, that's a... the consequence. <laughs> that's not a prize. It's... That that right there is the curse. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So, Lord Byron, he is born with his right leg shorter and less muscular than his left. Back then, the, the term for this would have been clubfoot that is a very ableist way to talk about it. So uh, I actually learned something. I was like, how do you talk about, uh, someone who has a different limb structure or a difference in their, in their body without using terms that are ableist? Like I actually didn't know I've never really had to do this. And what I learned on the internet was just to describe it. Like if you have to just like say what it is without saying it's like a deformity or a disorder, because it's not, it's just different. So his right leg was different than his left. It was shorter and less muscular.
0: That's so easy.
1: Yes. So this caused him to walk with a limp, caused a ton of pain, both physically and emotionally. And if you can believe it, his mother used this difference as a way to taunt him.
0: (laughs) She sounds like a real peach. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. She called him all sorts of derogatory names. She's very moody. And this caused him to be obviously like super self-conscious when your mom is like making fun of you,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Why? J- j- just to like get the dates She's in mean. In? Yeah. yeah I mean- she's
1: mean. I don't know. Yeah. Drunk and mean is okay. all like, <laughs>
0: okay.
1: And so, you know, it causes some pain, but it also, this is sort of where people Place the origin of his ability to go tit for tat with others. Mm -hmm. And he develops this skill, we'll call it that, of um, being able to reciprocate insults expediently.
0: Uh, Yeah, so this is the thing. Just a life pro tip here. If you ever have kids, uh, your goal is to mess them up just enough so it's not crippling to their emotional capability, but makes them very funny. I got to tell you, it is the sweet spot.
1: Okay. She went a little further. She made him also mean. Okay. When she would insult him, even as a young child, we're talking like five, six, seven, he would start making fun of her back and he would taunt her weight and her alcohol consumption. He would scream at her that the reason his leg was underdeveloped was because she insisted on wearing a corset during her pregnancy because she was so, because she had a larger body.
0: Did she really? Yeah. She did. (laughs) She seemed uncomfortable.
1: It seems horrible, horrible. So not, not strong attachment, not healthy at all. Oh, um, and in case it wasn't clear, I have not talked about him. Um, his dad dies.
0: Okay, <laughs> He's, got like, it. He's way
1: out of the picture by the time Lord Byron's three or four, something like that.
0: Me and wife will do that to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually legitimately got on a boat and like went to a different country and died there. <laughs> he was yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm done with this. Th-
0: with <laughs> he used this. all
1: her money. <laughs> shitty childhood when he's like nine or so his mother hires a calvinist nanny do you know much about calvinism
0: i do i if i'm not mistaken uh there is a calvinist bent to some of the john kellogg backlog which is one of my favorite episodes but yeah calvinists mm-hmm. just generally believe in predestination which means mm-hmm. that like when you're born you're either one of the people that's going to heaven forever or you're like all the other schmucks out there who are already going to hell and there's nothing you can do about it so if, yeah great congratulations it's already decided
1: yeah so because of this john kellogg episode the seed was planted calvinism i was like oh, i think i remember something about this not being good <laughs> i don't think this will be a good thing and so listen if any of our listeners have been to me be inexplicably calvinists one of the like 12 less left in the world and i get any of the next paragraph wrong tweet us by the way i think you you can have the internet if you're a calvinist even if
0: we get it right uh if you are one of our Calvinist listeners, let us know. I it seems like a very improbable subset of our audience, but the world is so big, you never know. I am so yeah. curious why you're still here. But please, please reach out. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, so this is the part of Calvinism that I wanted to highlight. So the core, one of the core main principles of Calvinism in this like sort of this like predestined mythos, ethos, I don't know, view, is this concept of total depravity. Mm -hmm. And this takes the idea of original sin. And it's like, what if that's not bad enough? What if Mm -hmm. the idea that you're born with sin is worse than that? What if everybody is just sin fully embodied? Just like meat this. sacks full of sin. All it is is sin. <laughs> Every, and you're total, totally You depraved. just start,
0: meat sacks full of yeah. sin. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Electric meat sacks full of <laughs> sin. Just There's no <laughs> behavior you can have in the world that's not sinning. Meaty
0: sin sacks, if you will.
1: And there's only really one way to get rid of this sin. You have to get a beat out of you.
0: Oh, I d- didn't expect <laughs> it. I didn't expect to take that turn. Okay.
1: <laughs> and so, if you can imagine... You don't want a nanny who believes that you are a meat sack full of sin.
0: <laughs> Wait, but the, why the beating? I thought you were already either going to heaven or not. What, what, what's the beating do? Is it just for the aesthetic? Like, what's, what's up?
1: Yeah, I think if, if you are just sin embodied, then you deserve to be punished. It's just
0: like part of the protocol. Just no idea how this could fuck up a child. Okay.
1: And so she's this nanny is like beating the hell out of Lord Byron
0: for L- years. Literally
1: literally beating the hell out of him and you know a lot of nannies did that the unfortunate thing about this nanny is that in addition to being horrible she was also a huge hypocrite Mm. because while she is just like beating the life out of lord byron she is also sexually assaulting him for years oh yikes so here we are we're laying the groundwork for his childhood At this point, he's like 10, 11, everything sucks. 1798, things take a turn. His great uncle dies. And because his great uncle had outlived all of his heirs, Byron inherits both the title of Lord and a huge country estate and all of the wealth that comes with it.
0: So his uh, yeah. family's back in the black, baby. Nice. I forgot. Yeah. You could, inhe- the titles were inherited. It was like, mm-hmm. pa- it's like passed down. So, oh, mm-hmm. look at this. Look at this. Yeah. Dad, dad just should have stuck around and, and held on a little bit longer, but nope. Gone. Right. Kid gets it. And
1: it's, it's his, it's not his mom's. So he's 10. Oh. Probably changes the power dynamic a little bit. But anyway, this is, I'm this is like a turning
0: point. A, any of her stick-beaten nannies anymore that's for sure
1: nope nope, he is not around the same time byron meets his cousin margaret parker for the first time and this dude is like smitten he loves margaret it it was this meeting that left him filled with what us poets like to call horniness
0: okay yes and it
1: prompted a ton of poems this is when he writes his first poem he is like horny for his cousin he he can't have her because he's 10 and
0: oh he's a 10 he's already (laughs) 10 year old okay i mean
1: he might be like 11 or 12 at this point he's like a middle schooler yikes but he starts writing his first poem and a few years later he attends a prestigious
0: boarding school
1: Any guesses what happened at a prestigious boarding school in London in 1801?
0: They hit you with sticks. They hit you with sticks. (laughs) Yes. They hit you so much. It was not a big logical leap there.
1: No, no. So he leaves his home where he's being beat by his nanny and he goes to this boarding school where he is mercilessly bullied for both his, uh, his different limbs and also his weight. So, Lord Byron at this time had like a larger body than most children at the time did. And he can't do anything about his different legs. But what he can do about his weight is develop a horrible eating disorder. I know. So he starves himself. He uses tobacco to stave off hunger. And he's like
0: 11 year old smoking.
1: He's like 13 at this point. But yeah, like smoking, chewing, just like he throughout his life, it's noted if you see any pictures of him, it's hard to recognize him photo to or like painting to painting. He doesn't he never looks the same in any of his photos. And it is because throughout his life, he has this huge fluctuation of weight from like really, really skinny to being in a larger body just like back and forth. So he goes from anorexia to binge eating back and forth, back and forth. And so I I bring this up, not to talk about his body, but because it is part of this like origin story of like who he is. He has very little control over anything else in his life, except at this moment in time, this is how he takes it.
0: Man, he's got like a real grab bag of all the like, Early formative trauma and mental health issues. Like, have we left anything off the table at this point? Any crippling anxiety that around the corner? Because we only got a few boxes left. We could even check.
1: There's more boxes. Oh, There's no. more boxes oh, we no. can check. <laughs> because um, poor old George here. By the time he's seventeen or eighteen, it's clear that Byron's personality is not going to be one of moderation. He's moody and he has violent outbursts. Never does anything halfway. So he goes to university, and this is where Byron falls in love for the first time with a straight guy.
0: Wait a second. He was horny for his cousin, though. Don't want to mm-hmm. downplay that. Do not mm-hmm. count that as love?
1: Unre- that, was, that was child love. Okay. That was child love. This is like his first real love, like oh, consuming, okay. unable to like sleep and eat sort of love. Okay. Okay. And it's with a straight guy. So,
0: not going to work of out too well.
1: Yeah, Byron does what poets do when their love is unrequited. They just obsess over it.
0: They write endlessly about it. (laughs) Insufferable. Insufferable. Insufferable.
1: (laughs) He's writing dozens and dozens and dozens of poems. He's just swapping out pronouns. So he doesn't get like beat to death. Oh, he writes because it, as, it was, as,
0: as it's to she, as opposed yeah. to he. Got it, got it, got yes. it. Uh,
1: because being gay in England at the time was punishable by death,
0: and he already had a long history of being hit by six for other reasons. Like you don't want <laughs> right. to you don't want to add the list, honestly.
1: No, no. Okay, so here's here's where we're at on the list of things that fuck up <laughs> Lord Byron as a child, a oh, yeah. young a young person. Yep. Abusive mother, mm-hmm. drunk father. Yes. Poverty for a bit. Yep. Uh, abuse from the nanny, mm-hmm. uh, both physical and sexual. Bullying at school.
0: Mm-hmm. Hit with more sticks at school.
1: Hit with more sticks at school. Um, he has uh, physical difference, a mm-hmm. variety of ways. He's got an eating disorder. Yep. And he's queer.
0: Yeah, born into a homophobic society and queer. In a
1: homophobic society, yes. Okay, so... He's got all these poems. He ends up getting them published as a book. And this book is called Hours of Idleness. The press gets a hold of this book, and a number of publications do what publications do. And it is mercilessly destroy this book.
0: Ooh. They call
1: him a talentless hack. They're like comparing him to other poets at the time. No, hold on, hold Just on. Just like.
0: As somebody mm-hmm. who's been called mm-hmm. the talentless hack before, I got to say, it's yeah. not as bad as it sounds.
1: <laughs> right. Well, here's what Byron does with this. You would think a lot of people would be like, mm, no, I can't do this. I quit. This is too much for me. And Byron was like, no, I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> Buckle up.
0: It's like the training montage, right? Yes. It's whole yes. childhood.
1: <laughs> so instead of quitting, he writes what would be considered the modern day diss track.
0: Yes.
1: It's called English Bards and Scotch Reviewers, and it not only attacks every single major (laughs) publication, but it also, unprovoked, attacks all the other poets who are famous (laughs) in
0: England. He just gets on a roll, and once he gets to the people he has beef with, he's like, I got more energy here, and just, like, starts shit with everybody else, too. Yeah,
1: it's like when Machine Gun Kelly was like, hey, Eminem, I want to fuck your daughter, and Eminem Mm -hmm. was like, oh, it's a rap battle now. Yeah, yeah, bring
0: it on, (laughs) bring it on.
1: Yeah. He does all of this. And even though the first book was shit, everybody loves this. Mm -hmm. This puts Lord Byron on the map. Everybody is talking about this like angry, entitled poet who just put out this like crazy diss poem and like, can you believe he said that? And like, blah, blah, blah. He's 21. Mm -hmm. He's got a little taste of fame. He's got means now because he's a lord. And it's sort of this rite of passage for men at the time of... Certain means, you know, to go on a tour of the Mediterranean. Most people do this to like learn another language, culture, blah, blah, blah. Lord Byron is writing to all of his friends. He's pretty pumped because he heard that in Greece, lots of boys are DTF.
0: Okay, and he yeah. wants to
1: do that. He goes, he travels. He loves that in Greece, there's this like acceptance of homosexuality and like this fluid less puritanical culture. He writes, the vices in England are whoring and drinking in Turkey, sodomy and smoking.
0: Mm, Nice little upgrade for him there.
1: Yes. Usually I would be like, get yours, Lord Byron, Mm -hmm. do it. And in many cases, I would still probably say that except Mm -hmm. the thing is, do you know where I'm going with this? No. A number of the sexual encounters he has, Involve young boys.
0: Oh damn!
1: So it is not okay in any circumstance. This is not a get yours, Lord Byron. This is get fucked. Like, what are you doing? Not good. Strike
0: one. Strike one. I was gonna say he had so much going for him. He didn't. He had so much making him sympathetic up until now, right? you yeah. You gotta root yeah. for the for the underdog who's just like tearing everybody a new asshole with his dish track poem, and then gotta go and gotta go and. Be a, be a
1: pedophile.
0: Be a pedophile. God damn.
1: Yeah, he gets home. His mom dies. This makes him very sad. Despite the fact that they hated each other. Yes. When poets get sad, poets do what poets do, and he ends up writing his most famous work. It's called Child Harold's Pilgrimage. And one person talking about the publication of this series compared it to Genghis style. What? So. Picture this. He's like, all right, shitty first book. Everybody mm-hmm. loves my diss track. I'm going to write this next one, this, these poems. And I'm going to, and it is just like meteoric rise to fame. He says, like one of his most famous quotes was like, I woke up one day and suddenly I was famous. Mm. Like that's what happened. Just blew up. His, the first run of these books sold out in three days suddenly everybody knew who he was. And this was like a really, really big deal. Like he was immediately A-list. People were begging him to come entertain at their parties. And they're doing this, not just like his poems or like whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're good. But they know that if you get Lord Byron to come to your party, you're not just getting this famous poet with this. Gangnam Style.
0: You're getting a roast. You're getting a roast. You're getting a character.
1: You're getting a character. So they're like, okay, you know what? This is a real high risk, high reward scenario. (laughs) We are going to invite Lord Byron into society. And he makes it A-list, top rank. Pick of the parties, pick of the people. He can do no wrong. He can go wherever he wants.
0: So he's like the poet for like the selling of the, of the books. But he's also like the party DJ who's there for the entertainment. But he's also yeah. like the A-list comic because he's there to like mm-hmm. tear your shit up if he comes to the party. He's, he's yeah. a full package.
1: He's a full package. And he's really himself. He's not like, not, not a caricature of himself. Like he, he as a character is all of the things you think he would be. He calls this time in his life his reign. R-E-I-G-N. hmm 1812 to 1815 is really peak Lord Byron. During this time, he has all the women he wants. And he wants three women in particular during oh, okay. this time.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: The first is a woman named Carolyn Lamb. She is described as tiny and androgynous. <laughs> Byron loved her. Loved her and of course he does nothing in moderation mm-hmm. and so he like falls hard this is requited love for like one of the first times right yeah it's
0: one of the first, every every time before this he's been like pining for his cousin or whatever or the school boys and now yes he gets it
1: yes and and her energy matches lord byrons she gives no fucks tiny and drudge's no fucks he encourages her to cross dress and then meet him in sort of like semi public places to have very kinky sex Oh. Again, get yours, Lord Byron. Sure, 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 sure. But this is a a very real be careful what you wish for, Lord (laughs) Byron. (laughs) Because Catherine Lamb was like, I will see you, whatever chaos you have, and raise you to destruction.
0: Oh, that's what you want. Somebody's going to fuck up your life. Yes. Yes.
1: They're together for about a year, and he ends up, (laughs) like, the equivalent of texting her, breaking up. He, like, sends a little written note, like, hey, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he literally said that he could no longer date her because of her quote unquote erratic behavior.
0: (laughs) Just like I put it out there that clearly. (laughs) From him. Yeah. Of all people.
1: He's like, all right, Catherine, I am just, that didn't work. Let's go in the total opposite direction. I'm going to hit up my mathematician cousin, Annabelle.
0: Is this the same cousin from before?
1: Different cousin. First cousin, Margaret. This one's Annabelle. Got Got a lot of
0: cousins. Got it.
1: She is described as sort of like a dowdy, down-to-earth mathematician. And at first, she's like, no, dude, you're my cousin. We're not going to date. You're chaotic, and I go to church.
0: Okay. Wow, it's really hard to pin down his type. Can I just say that? He's all over the place.
1: We're only two in. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he had a type. I think he would pin down anything that walked by him. But it's 1813.
0: He's just a... A horny, chaotic dude is what we're finding out.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's probably deep mental health issues here that everybody's writing off as quirky, including us. But yeah, he's, he's fully, if I had to guess, like absolute borderline personality disorder oh, okay, diagnosing okay. him 250 years later. Like,
0: but <laughs> I mean, absolutely no guy. credible uh, training whatsoever. Yeah. He's yeah, just none,
1: none. I mean, there's no, here, here's what I'll say no moderation, mm-hmm. promiscuity, yep. self destruction,
0: yep. substance abuse. Check.
1: Yeah, not a lot of like real
0: relationships That's so all. great at he, parties, though. I get why he was so popular. That is, that is, you, if you have one, it really livens things up. It really does.
1: It does. Okay, so he's got his first cousin, 1813. He's like, marry me. And she's like, what? No. But then a year later, she writes to him and is like, you could ask me again if you wanted. And I would maybe say yes. Oh. So he asks her again. And everybody is like, why, why, why does he why want to her? marry this woman? And there's actually no like, conclusive evidence. The very best people can surmise or whatever is that he needed someone to deflect from growing suspicion of his homosexuality.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Okay. So they get married day one. This is not a hyperbole. It's bad. Oh. Like. I would describe it as cursed.
0: I just imagine it would be boring, but it's bad.
1: Okay. Well, it would be boring if Lord Byron was boring. Hmm. But on the day they get married, they get married, kiss the bride, whatever. And then he just like wanders into the street, just leaves ghosts. They're like, where the fuck is Lord Byron? <laughs>
0: oh, not like honeymoon. He's just like, okay, good. Got that done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Except they find him in the street, wandering around. Waving a loaded pistol, muttering (laughs) about blowing his brains out. Oh no,
0: what? Sir, get it together.
1: Yeah, he still impregnates her. And then after she's pregnant, while she's pregnant, he taunts her. He's very cruel. So he starts dropping hints about all of the like gay sex he's having and like openly seduces another woman in front of her. And he's also just, like, deeply cruel in really, I would say, random ways for seemingly no reason other than the fact that he just, like, hates himself and is going to be mean accordingly.
0: Also, other than the fact that the only model for any real, like, close family relationship he had was his mom just, like, tearing into him day after day for years and years yes. and years. Yes.
1: So he does shit like smashes bottles and shoots his gun in the house to keep oh, her from shit. falling asleep at night.
0: I no. like to threaten her, just to be a dick about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just to wake her up <sighs> while she's pregnant. Oh my god. Like, okay, but wait, there's more. During this time, he also falls in love with the person that he describes as the great love of his life. And this person's name is Augusta. It's a woman? And I bet you're one- it's a woman. And I bet you're wondering, how how Could Lord Byron take all the things he's done, crank it up a notch? Oh, no. How could this closeted queer man who's married to his cousin, who's gotten her pregnant and is super mean, really say, no, 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 that's not enough. I'll tell you how. Augusta is his sister.
0: Oh, are you fucking kidding me?
1: I am not. It is his half sister. They shared a dad. That's only half as
0: bad, then, right?
1: <laughs> right. So he was like, "It's not close enough to have a cousin. I would like to actually share DNA with oh this person." Oh my
0: god! Are he's there, still married. Are there no other women around? <laughs> what is like? Is he? Why is he just so focused on dating within his family?
1: I don't know. I don't know. And none of this makes sense. Okay. So he's so married to his cousin. And actually, uh, this is when, 1815, she gives birth to Ada.
0: Ada Lovelace. The cousin or the sister?
1: The cousin. Okay, the cousin.
0: got it, got it, got it.
1: Two days after she gives birth, it is reported that Lord Byron sexually assaults her.
0: Oh, fuck, two days?
1: Yeah, two days. So... God, this guy just cannot,
0: cannot I, stay also, sympathetic. Like,
1: no. Also, I, t- this is j- to me, it is really just about power and cruelty at that point, because it's not like he couldn't be sleeping with other people like she knows he's sleeping with other people. And he's no. like, hey, I'm sleeping with other people. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure he has other sisters. So he could go fuck, too. Right. Like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Right. So this happens. Madeline takes Ada and flees. Basically, oh my god, like,
0: that's horrible. Ada
1: Lovelace and Lord Byron do not ever have a real meaningful relationship. She lives with her mathematician mom, the whole thing.
0: Right? Becomes the genius and poet herself, all those things. Right. Glad she. Right. Glad. Glad her life improves from that point.
1: Lord Byron, unfortunately, is not very concerned about the fact that his wife and daughter have left. He's much more concerned with the fact that his reputation is sort of plummeting
0: at this point. That's his concern?
1: Yeah, well, you know, he doesn't really love that everybody knows he's having an incestuous relationship with his sister or that he is bi at the very least.
0: Mm-hmm. There's an easy fix if you don't like that people know that. You just don't have an incestuous relationship with your sister, right? Like he has yeah. all these other options. Yeah, Come sure on. don't. But yeah. well, let me guess, his, his uh, solution to this problem is not to uh, stop doing that.
1: He finds himself exiled, uh, as he should be, right? Yeah, um, not for the gay stuff, but for the like sexually assaulting his wife, the yes. domestic abuse otherwise, the mm-hmm.
0: the waving incest. guns about all the fucking time, just yes. willy nilly.
1: Right. But because there are some real consequences associated with the rumor that he's doing these things, um, although there's actually no real consequence for domestic violence, they did not give a shit about women. Yeah. It is like I said, being gay is punishable by death. And recently, around this time, there had been seven men who had been sort of gathered up. Five of them were put in the stocks, and two were hung in the streets for homosexuality. Shit. And so he is legitimately, again, concerned he's going to be killed because he's so well known. Everybody knows him. And so he does what you do you get a boat. And you pack up all your essentials. You get your clothes, your food, your doctor, a peacock, a monkey, <laughs> and you set sail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the list checks out, honestly. At this point, at this level of chaos, I'm, I, am, I would like to say I'm surprised. I'm not that surprised.
1: Right. So he leaves England. This is the last time he's ever in England. Never goes back. Never makes it back. And despite having such good company on this boat... The exile makes Byron really sad. And so Byron does what poets do when they get sad. They mm-hmm. write a lot, prolifically. This is a time where he is writing just like tons and tons and tons of some of his most, famous, his most famous poems. He gets to Switzerland. He's in Geneva. And he reconnects with this other poet he knows, this other romantic poet, Percy Shelley. And Percy brings his lover to Geneva with him, and his lover is Mary. So Percy and Mary Shelley mm. meet up with Lord Byron in Geneva.
0: Mary Shelley—that name sounds uh, familiar. Like right,
1: they become this little triad of creativity, bouncing ideas, workshop in. And one night they're reined in. And Byron suggests that they all tell ghost stories, Ooh. which later led Mary Shelley to write Frankenstein.
0: Nice. Turns the ghost stories into a classic work.
1: Yep. So we have Lord Byron and all of his chaos. The Rupple,
0: yeah, to thank for Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> right. Apt, apt metaphor, if you will.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, for real, for real. So it's also there in Geneva that Lord Byron gets another woman pregnant. Oh, wow. Oh, and I forgot to mention, he did probably get his sister Augusta pregnant. There's no firm proof, but a few years before that, she had a kid and everybody's like, oh yeah, that's Lord Byron's.
0: Oh, so, so, he, so he pieces out, they're never actually married or anything, but she very well could have gotten pregnant by him. Very well could have.
1: But Right now in Geneva, he gets this woman, Claire Claremont, pregnant. And she comes to him and she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. And he was like, Get the fuck out of my face. Go (laughs) back to England. I never want to see you again. And in England, she gives birth to their daughter, Allegra. And when I tell you the worst is not behind him, I tell you the worst is not behind him.
0: Oh my God. What is happening?
1: So the treatment of Claire and Allegra is. Actually, the most well-known worst thing Lord Byron ever did.
0: We're not at his worst thing yet.
1: We're about this is the worst thing. We're there. We're at it. I'm about to tell you about it. So Claire gives birth to Allegra. Year two in, Lord Byron sends for her. It's like, hey, send Allegra back to Switzerland. I can provide a better life for her. I have all of these resources, etc. So Allegra goes to Switzerland. Very, very quickly. Lord Byron gets bored. Being a father, calls her a little brat and gives her to his friends. Gives her? Yeah, gives her. Just as like, hey, take my kid, hands her off. Claire is writing him letters, begging for news on their child. Like, please tell me she's okay. I like, can I come see her? He won't pay for her to come see Claire and he never, or Allegra, and he never responds to any of her letters ever. Then when she's about five, he publicly claims that this child is not his. Couldn't be his he abandons her at a convent where she proceeds to get really, really sick on her deathbed. She begs to see her father and he never shows up Oh Jesus Christ, what yeah, the person who was with her on her deathbed was actually Percy Shelley, so props to Percy Shelley
0: yeah, God what a dick move to act like yeah, the kid this. Could have just, like, been whatever, living a life in England. He insists on bringing her to Switzerland, disowns her, Mm -hmm. hands her off to a convent and doesn't go to her deathbed when she could have been just fine and maybe even not sick back where she started.
1: Yeah, she she probably very much would have, like all of his other children that he abandoned. Oh, my God. So instead of seeing his child who's dying, he goes to Italy. And in Italy... He sexes up a whole bunch of aristocratic women. One countess in particular, he like really likes, but he's bored with this life. He's done it all. He's, you know, had the parties. He's had the sex. He's probably had the drugs. I cannot imagine he has not had the drugs. Yeah. He is, he's bored. And he's like, what is something that I could do that is romantic and meaningful? And he's like, you know what? I've never been involved in a revolution.
0: What the fuck?
1: So literally, dude was like, I want to lead a political revolution.
0: I like guns. I'm chaotic. How do I combine my interests?
1: (laughs) Right? So little by little, over the next few years, through a series of events, I mean, there's a lot of wars happening in the world at this time. He ends up in Greece. And he takes $10,000 of his own money. And he's like, I am going to form my own little mercenary group, and I'm going to train them. And he uses his $10,000 to train a group of mercenaries to what join the, fuck the Greek army. What he
0: know about training mercenaries? Apparently, he's actually
1: not bad at it. Because if you can picture this, it gives him all the power that he's ever wanted. And he doesn't really have much to live for. He's not like, he's a risk taker.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that I have gathered.
1: 1823, the end of 1823, he gets sent out to this little island with his mercenary group. They're preparing for battle. And in early 1824, he gets really sick. He gets this very high fever. He's delirious, not making any sense, never gets to actually lead the revolution. Uh. He's sick. His doctor, maybe a peacock, a monkey, <laughs> I don't knows? know. Who
0: knows? Comes to
1: his bedside and his doctor did what doctors did at the time for people who had a fever: drain their blood, drain uh, all his
0: blood. Ooh, that's uh, not, not, not effective. effective. It turns out we have now learned blood ends up playing a, a relatively important role in the human body, and uh, you do want to keep it inside. It turns out
1: it's actually where your immune system is. You don't you don't want to drain that. Yeah. So this makes him much worse. And one morning, April eighteen twenty four. He says, I want to sleep now. And then just dies. Curtains. He's just 36. He did all of this in 36 years. Wow.
0: Wow. Lived a fucking life.
1: Lived a life. His death is received differently in different communities around the world. <laughs>
0: I would imagine.
1: His, his mercen- mercenary group uses it as like a rally cry. They're like, for Lord Byron and then they go fight the Ottoman Empire or whatever. In in England, they were like, "Oh,
0: that fucking weirdo, glad he's that dead." That fucking weirdo?
1: Yeah. They but people were like, even though they didn't like him, it's kind of like when the biggest celebrity in the world dies mm. and you're not really sure how to feel about it cuz you never really contemplate their own morta- their mortality. Yeah. And so against his wishes, he actually gets sent back to England where he's like paraded through the streets and people come say their goodbyes. Weird. Um, But that's that's how it ends for him.
0: Fitting just off with his trained band of mercenaries, only his doctor and his peacock by his side. That's it. Um, That's all you need. uh, But alone, because literally everyone who he ever loved in whatever capacity he had to love, uh, he just like royally fucked over at every opportunity.
1: Yes. And we did not talk about any, I mean, he was like constantly having sexual relationships yeah. and like being very cruel to these people. Again, it was very weird power dynamic, but did not want to get into the details of that. There were a handful of people he genuinely loved. He used a lot of other people for his own gratification and was never just like nice, it seems. So for his treatment of his loved ones... His casual, persistent, rampant cruelty to women and likely lots of men alike, his likely incestuous relationship with his sister, his likely predation on young boys in Greece, and especially for his abuse and neglect of Madeline and Ada, Claire and Allegra. Lord Byron is not my hero.
0: The wildest part of this story is that after all this time somehow this motherfucker is famous for writing poetry I like know. of all I the things know. that this that this dude did the yeah. fact that like we yeah. we know him for like some flowery romantic language as opposed to like shooting off guns in his house and going to a revolution with his monkey. Like, that is a miscarriage of justice.
1: I know, I know. So I thought this week's episode, even though he sounds like a real shithead. Oh, horrible. Uh, it was a, a a good way to sort of, like, bring us back into the Meet Your Heroes fold. The classic yeah, the classic this, story of meeting your hero.
0: This is the sweet spot. If you think you don't like history, what you actually don't like is how boring historians are because they will tell you all of the lame stuff. And yeah,
1: you need unqualified, not very good comedians to do it instead.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, if, uh, if people would like to continue to get some questionable information from disreputable sources, mm-hmm. where can they find us?
1: they can find us on social media at your heroes pod or on our website at meetyourheroespodcast.com
0: yep and please like share rate review spread the word tell your friends and until next week don't be a hero don't be a hero bye